Welcome to Empire, presented by CW Hemp, a weekly installment dedicated to exploring the non-psychoactive side of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of the American economy, hemp has been used in over 25,000 products, including paper, textiles, construction materials, health food, and fuel. Now, tune in and discover all there is to know about this wonder crop making a historic comeback. Empire, presented by CW Hemp, starts now. And welcome back, Cannabis Radio listeners and Burning Issues fans. Here we are with Hempire, the section of our show where we explore all things hemp. Whether it's fiber, food, or pharmacy, the hemp plant continues to amaze humans across the millennia. We've had medical uses from back in the day of Asian Emperor Shenang all the way in 2800 B.C., and we even have them today. So thanks for joining us on Hempire. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana, High Times columnist, and member of the advisory board at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Today's guest is hemp legend himself, Jeff Whaling. Jeff is the president of the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council, and he's also a founding member of the Coalition for Access Now. Welcome to Empire, Jeff. Glad to be here. So can you give us uh, what's news in Pennsylvania and legal status for hemp? Certainly. As you may know, our governor signed the industrial hemp bill, which is now Act 92 last Wednesday. So hemp is now legal in Pennsylvania. Woohoo! Exciting times. We have many of our farmers, people who are interested in the manufacturing and processing of hemp, just waiting for our regulations to get in place. That process is going to start on Thursday. That's great. Hey, can you give us the lowdown on the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council? It was founded earlier this year by two of our major advocates, Erica McBride and Les Stark. Les has been a historian on hemp for some time, was writing about the crop some 20 years ago, published a book, and has been pursuing bringing legalized hemp back to Pennsylvania for most of that time. That's a stunning amount of effort. Hey, can you let us know about the Coalition for Access Now? As you may know, the story of young Charlotte Figgy, which started the really momentum of CBD. Paige Figgy, her mother and I, founded the Coalition for Access Now three years ago and have been working with families across the states to pass CBD legislation We have done so in 18 states with great support of all of our families, and we now have bills in front of Congress with Congressman Perry from Pennsylvania introducing the Charlotte's Web Act, and that is moving through, and we have a commitment from Speaker Paul Ryan that he will pass that legislation this session. That's just astounding, and I can't thank you enough. What a momentous uh, amount of work, but what great impact we're having. It, it has impacted people in such a profound way, not only the families that first came to light who were looking for a therapy similar to Charlotte's that was suffering from Dravet syndrome, but now we have families from all brain trauma, neurological disorders, and other neurological disorders that 
really reach into concussions and CTE. We now have former football players and former NHL players who have come forward and are looking for the same sort of therapy. So now our audience and our people who are interested in this are reaching out to the realm of caring, our sister 501c3, and trying to really move this issue along quickly so that we can get, we estimate, more than 3 million Americans could benefit from CBD therapy. And I think that's an underestimate, to tell you the truth. It's just amazing all the good that you guys can really do here. Well, and I think research is being done every single day in laboratories, and we have so much to discover on CBD and, and the endocannabinoid system. So let me turn back to industrial hemp for a minute. What's the difference between that and sort of other types of cannabis? What kind of things do you have to clear up when people hear about the name hemp? Well, you know, I think that history has woven the two of them somewhat together, so we have to break apart that fabric. Industrial hemp, by far, is going to be a leader in sustainability. It is a crop that uh, can help revolutionize the world. Every part of this crop, which grows in a field, can grow as high as 12 feet tall, can be used either from for a food product to salad dressings, all the way to building an automobile or your home. It's so amazing. So I know a lot of folks tend to think of textiles, but you're emphasizing some of these food and other things. Could you elaborate on any of those? I can. And, you know, certainly the Chinese have done a very good job in capturing the fabric market. So I think that if we are going to be wise in expanding the market in the United States, we should look at the other uses and the dual purpose crops that produce both a seed head that is good for hemp hearts, as you might know, a very nutritious product, 100% digestible, as much omega-3, 6, and 9, perfectly matched as fish oil. You can press this seed to get that oil out of it to make salad dressings and dipping dressings, but you can also create body care items for it. And if you continue to process it, items such as paint and finishes and varnishes. It's incredible what you can do with the seed. And then there's the rest of the plant. So you can take off the fiber that's the outside. There are organizations right now that are looking at that fiber. It has the same properties as copper. So electricity and digital messaging is being tested uh, through it. It could replace fiber optics. And then you can take that same fiber and replace anything that is built with carbon fiber with it. Automobiles, BMW, Mercedes, Volvo are doing it today. It's just super amazing. And you mentioned Henry Ford actually built some cars out of this. Henry Ford built in 1941, built the very first hemp sedan, which was a combination of soy and hemp fiber. And if anyone goes on and searches out YouTube, they'll be able to see Henry Ford's him sedan, him taking an axe to the back of the vehicle, and it does not dent whatsoever. And many people don't know that Henry Ford also grew 40 acres of hemp on his Dearborn farm, and he used that to produce ethanol, hemp ethanol, to fuel all of his executives' cars. That's just amazing. I mean, if we can do it with corn, why not with hemp? Absolutely. 100% usable. Hemp consumes three times the CO2 than any other plant. It also helps to remediate the soil. It will take toxins out of the soil. We have seen and and certainly know that around Chernobyl, they planted hemp 
and it has helped to reduce naturally the nuclear waste that is in those soils. But we also know that it can stop erosion, has a taproot, and it certainly will aerate the soil at the same time. I mean, it's funny, people make a big deal about it being more eco-friendly than cotton or flax, but it's, it's way beyond that, it sounds like. It, it is, and I hate to use the expression, it grows like a weed. So do we have any big consumers of industrial hemp here in the States, things you can think of? There are many people who are dabbling in this, big consumers that are not yet. Certainly the CBD side of industrial hemp, which is the oil that is extracted, that is being used for products like Charlotte's Web, seem to be the driving leaders of the industry right now. We are starting to develop a fiber industry, but the difficulty in accomplishing it is twofold. We need to have processing plants that are established, and those could cost anywhere from 5 to $10 million. But most importantly, in order to commercialize industrial hemp in America, we need to have specific built harvesting equipment. There is no uh, equipment that is here, and I think that the world is waiting for America to revitalize industrial hemp and then uh, to become leaders again so that we can develop that equipment. I think of the old decorticator images. Is that something along the lines of what you're thinking with that? Well, that is the new sophisticated line. They're about 750 feet long. Decorticator actually will take about five tons of product a day and take it all apart into potentially 20 different components that will come out of this plant. It's truly, truly astounding. Well... Are there any quirks about growing hemp that you think sort of make it different from the stereotypical growth of medical cannabis? Well, I mean, obviously hemp can be grown outside, uh, field grown. It is a challenging plant in that it is very sticky. Um, Obviously, we used it in years gone by for rope, and there's a, a reason that it is challenging because of that toughness. Any commercial equipment today would end up being damaged uh, because it cannot process the hemp fiber. Um, as like So farmers have to be creative today in taking older equipment and then repurposing them, taking metal components out, putting rubber in, and then harvesting. As much as 2,000 acres can be done without equipment having to be completely cleaned out. That sounds really promising. Hey, we've got to take a moment here for our wonderful sponsors. We're talking to Jeff Whaling. Jeff is the president of the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council, and we'll be right back with more on Hempire. Hold on for more Hempire after you've grown to learn more about our sponsors. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, Most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him being that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Thousands of cannabis professionals convened this August in Portland, Oregon, to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. Endo Expo has seed to sale covered all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors. Lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Time to harvest more crop-tastic content on Hempire, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back for the Hempire section of the show. We're talking to Jeff Whaling, president of the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council and a founding member of the Coalition for Access Now. Uh, Jeff and I were just discussing some of the issues with growing hemp, and the, it's such a sticky plant. I think some folks might be confused. It's really from the resin, much like coactive cannabis. Is that the case? It is, but it also is the fiber on the outside of the plant that was originally used for the Conestoga wagons, canvas, and for rope. Wheels of rope that were used by the U.S. Navy in World War II. It is why hemp was revived pre-World War II to service the Navy. That product is, it was all done by hand in years gone by. Uh, they took that fiber and they stripped it off with knives and then they just spun it. Well, in order to use it today for the things that we can use it for, whether or not it's flooring in your house for for fabrics or for weaving or for carbon fiber, it now needs to be split apart. And certainly we need to bring it to an industrialized level, which is going to take some time. It's amazing, though, all, all this potential. You allude to some of the use in World War II, and I know uh, a lot of folks were curious about the story behind Hemp for Victory. Can you tell us anything about that? Well, it was before that. Hemp was actually banned in the United States, but as we were going to World War II, there was an urgent need to have rope for the U.S. Navy and canvas for the military, and so there was a, a real push to revive the crop and to bring it back so that it could be once again used to our nation. And that was part of the Hemp for Victory program. 
It is astounding because you think about the Marijuana Tax Act being 1937, and it sounds like this film came out in the early 40s. That's correct. All right, and I should mention to folks, you can find this on YouTube, and it's, it's incredibly moving in its patriotism and music and urgings. Well, and it is funny how when the nation needs something that all of a sudden something that was believed not to be good all of a sudden is important again. And we are finding here in Pennsylvania, uh, industrial hemp was one of the largest crops. The first act in Pennsylvania was the Hemp Act, and that encouraged farmers to grow hemp to not only use for themselves, but also to contribute to the economy of our state. We had 100 mills along the Susquehanna River and in greater Lancaster County that did nothing but produce hemp. And ironically, many people have forgotten that we were a big grower, but when they hear the fact that we have townships and hemp field and hemp road in Lancaster County, people think, oh goodness, what did they do? Is that where they grew hemp before? People tend to forget, but we're happy to revive it and to reintroduce it to our state. That is astounding when you have hemp built into the names of the towns. That's delightful. Absolutely. When you mentioned some of the seed-related products, can you tell us anything about the market for seeds? Uh, Yes. So seeds can be used for both human consumption and animal consumption. People who may not think uh, about this, but people who fed birdseed this winter probably fed hemp not knowing that it came in from Canada. That same seed is highly coveted by people who are raisers of pigeons, highly nutritious for birds. From a human perspective, that seed is being used on salad dressings. It's ground down and put into, uh, made into protein powder. It can be further ground into making flowers. People put it in their smoothies or in their yogurts every single day, and you know it is highly beneficial. I mean, as you mentioned, that a new source for the omega-3, 6, and 9s, that's going to have some incredible cardiovascular impact without any of the risks we often have with fish oils about mercury or, or things like that. Correct. Hemp seed, hemp powder is available on most whole food shelves today. That product is imported from Canada. We think that this product should be here, made in America and serving Americans. It is a $2.5 billion industry in Canada, and we think that those jobs should be here. Absolutely. That's a lot of money, even in Canadian dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the, the Canadian market is now a little bit fearful of what's going to happen in Canada because there is such a spurt in growth and uh, need for reintroducing this crop as a rotational crop to add to the farmers here. And... They were only growing it for human consumption, but they now realize that they need to even change their regulations to allow for whole use of the crop, which is what is happening in most states here. I'm not sure if your listeners are aware of how much hemp is being grown right now, but Kentucky will grow about 5,000 acres this year. Colorado will grow about 4,000, and certainly Oregon and Washington will be growing a couple thousand acres. So we're slowly getting there but we're nowhere near the 11 million acres that China has. Good point. You alluded to the CBD, and I think some folks are are curious, what are the limits on most of this industrial hemp? Well, in order for this crop to be considered industrial hemp, it can not have a THC level of higher than 0.3% THC. So it's absolutely 
negligent in its THC factor. But there are industrial hemp crops that are producing very high CBD levels, as high as 18%. And those are the products that are getting to families who are seeing this as an alternative therapy for seizure disorders. Yeah, that's just an evolutionary miracle. I, I love that stuff. That's superb. Well, and most people don't understand that we have an endocannabinoid system in our bodies, and obviously it uh, has been fed by something. And people are now seeing that with the addition of CBD, they are finding, you know, there's no psychoactive element. It is just a feeling of refreshment. It's as if our body has been deprived and is now looking for products like this. Oh, it, it is truly marvelous. And we've known for, you know, at least three decades now that, that CBD is not psychoactive the way THC is, and yet it still ended up in that strange Schedule One predicament. It has, but I think that we're going to see, as uh, Speaker Ryan and Congressman Perry have been moving this legislation forward, we're seeing more and more people who are coming around to realize that it isn't marijuana, it is not psychoactive, and that we should be trying to quickly get to the hands of people that are asking for it. I mean, in fact, when you talk about those long cords and the big, thick stems, that's really kind of counter to what we think of for medical cannabis. Oh, absolutely. The... The plants look um, greatly different. I mean, the industrial hemp plant is planted about seven inches apart like corn and can grow as high as 18 feet high. That is not what people are doing with medical cannabis, which has to be grown indoors in most states. And has those you know, large colas and really it's more about having a short, bushy plant rather than these long stems. Correct. Correct. That's good to know. Well, so I'm curious, are there, are there any books that you might recommend for listeners who are interested in hemp? Well, I have gotten most of my information uh, off the Internet, but I would encourage people to go to our Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council website, which is org, And on that, we have a link, which is Get to Know Hemp and certainly the Congressional Research Report on Industrial Hemp and a number of the white pages that have been written by other states, including the one that I wrote for Pennsylvania. Ours really focuses on the farming aspect and what the potential is for farming as well as the challenges. Well, so Jeff, can you tell us how you got sucked into all this? Actually, I, like most Americans, saw the story of uh, young Charlotte Figgy, and I... I guess took a step that people would be afraid to, but I reached out to the Stanley brothers and said, how can I help you? I came from Canada. We had industrial hemp in Canada. So I was curious why this was such a big issue here in the United States. But I learned what the challenges were. And that is where I met uh, Paige. I then met a number of the families who had uh, left their states and moved to Colorado to start getting access to CBD. I saw the results for myself. I heard the stories of these families and I thought we need to do something to help them. So I then came back to Pennsylvania and realized industrial hemp was part of the fabric of Pennsylvania and that it really needed to be revived for Pennsylvania farmers. So we decided to not only formalize the Coalition for Access Now, we created the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council, and here we are. It's wonderful. So what can you give us a feel for this federal bill? So the federal bill, the Charlotte Web Act, is uh, House Bill 1635. It is moving along nicely. 
we certainly would encourage people to who want to support CBD and industrial hemp to contact their congressional delegations and their senators and encourage them to support their bills. Both the House and the Senate have both industrial hemp bills as well as CBD bills. So we would ask people to reach out to them. We really do believe that the CBD bill will be passed this year and that uh, industrial hemp will be right on its heels. It's a splendid thought, and I do want to encourage all the listeners, go ahead and and contact your representatives on this, because this could be super important, not only for the CBD, but maybe to get the hemp through relatively quickly, because obviously if they'll approve one, the other one is essentially a no-brainer. It's true, and the National Hemp Association and the Vote Hemp group, you can go to both of their websites. They both have petitions and ways to contact your local representative. They've made it very easy for you to connect with them and and show your support. Can you tell us the names of those groups again, Jeff? The National Hemp Association and the other organization is called Vote Hemp. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us on Hempire. We've been talking with Jeff Whaling, president of the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council and a founding member of the Coalition for Access Now. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.